Good morning. This is Amy on the Amy Mills Live Show. Welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you are here to just hang out with me for a little bit, and let's just see if we can inspire each other. How about that? Sold Out Ministries is uh, the foundation for this program. I don't know if you've ever even been to that website, but if you haven't, please go and just see what we're all about. We have the most amazing event coming up. It's a foundation, in fact. This event that we have coming up is the foundation of this ministry. Um, This event uh, is called Redemption Weekend. The inner healing breakthrough process that we take people through is tried and true. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people have had um, this type of ministry experience, and it's radically changed their lives. I just want to encourage you to go and read about Redemption Weekend. It's August 2nd through the 4th. And just look it up and read and see if anything resonates with you. And look, if it does, just sign up. I am here to make a personal promise that I will give you your money back if you leave there and God did not move in your life. And I've never had to give a single dime back. In fact, people want to give me more money to stay longer. They want to pay for another night. (laughs) And so that's what we're doing this year. We're actually extending a bonus session uh, for a second night stay because we go away from the world. We get super focused on God and let him minister to us. And this is just a private, personal weekend with God. It's between you and God. Listen, this is a retreat like you're not thinking. It's not even It's not even a retreat. It's an experience. You go there purposed and expectant that God's going to move in your life. I'm telling you, people have come there with addiction. People have come there and said, if I don't get a move of God in my life, I'm going to go home and file for divorce. I mean, like there's people come with big stuff. People come with not that much stuff, too. They just need some clarity. They need to, they need to reset, refresh. You know, we all need that. There's not a single Christian that does not need that. So whatever you come expecting from God, he's going to answer you. It may not be the way you think, but he will show up and he will show off in your life. And it's time. I'm just going to speak directly. Just come on. Let's get real directly to you as Christians. We have got to mature. We got to mature and take care of our junk and get our lives cleaned out so we can go do what God has asked us to do and be effective for his kingdom and be influencers and be influenced by the right things. My pastor at Expression Church in Cedar Park has been preaching on that for weeks and it's been so powerful. But when you're talking about influence, whether it's you influencing the world for Christ or, or being influenced by certain things, there is a level of maturity there that a lot of us just don't want to walk in. And I'm just here to say today that that is that's cheapening uh, the gift that God has given you, quite frankly. We, we have to come to the place in the world we're living in. Is it okay to live as a woodwork Christian? I don't know if you've ever heard that term. I used to hear it all the time. You know, there, she's a woodwork Christian. She only comes out when it's appropriate, you know, or it's easy. And then back in the woodwork where nobody can see her. And I don't want to be a woodwork Christian. I want to be out 
I want to be out in the midst of what is happening in our world today. And I want to be part of the change, part of the light, part of the truth. When we have people um, attaching themselves to all these crazy causes just so that... They can vent their brokenness and, and disdain and bitterness and ugliness and, and whatever else that they can seethe out into the world what they're feeling on the inside. It's so much easier to do that than to go get fixed and to do the work. And you know what's sad? There's a lot of great causes out there. I mean, there is something to be said about the Me Too movement, but then I feel like that half of the people that support that are have have found an an outlet to attach themselves to to just get their nastiness out because now it's justify it's a justifiable cause. I see it clearly. And then I also see those people that have attached to it for all the right reasons. I see political agendas that people have attached themselves to to seethe and 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 and, and, and honestly because they're erupting as a human being and they don't know where to go or what to do. They found this outlet to let that eruption happen on. And now it's justified. Does that make sense to anybody? I'm probably going to get a lot of emails about that. But I'm speaking truth and you know it. You know this is truth. And so what I see the better choice to do is to get ourselves healed and whole and put together and to get our breakthrough that we need and to gain the clarity that God is trying to get into us. Amen. We've got one foot in and one foot out. That's not going to work any longer. It's just not. And I do not talk about anything on my shows or in my ministry with passion if I haven't been through it myself. So please know that about me. I'm not out there talking about all kinds of stuff that I've not experienced or I have no experience with because that's not my place. I find somebody on my ministry team you know, that has experience in that area. And I say, you know what, you can talk to this. I can't. So all of the stuff that I'm talking to you passionately about is just, it's fact, it's truth. I've walked it. I've seen it. I've ministered about it. I have had multitudes of people come to me with, um, you know, similar situations. And then we see as they walk, as they, as they, as they commit, as they commit to mature and walk out sanctification, then we see these life changes that happen. And we see light come and we see truth. Now, instead of yuckiness being spewed out in the world, we see light and redemption. Wow. And gratitude. When people commit to reset and repurpose and recharge, reclaim is a word that has been set in our ministry for this year. How many of you out there today need to reclaim? You need to reclaim the promises of God. There needs to be a reclamation act in your life that turns you around and puts your feet on solid ground. Amen. Come on. What are you waiting for? Your kids need this to see this. Your spouse needs to see this. Your your calling needs this. Don't wait any longer. Go to my website, amymillslive.com. Look at the top for sold out ministries or redemption and click on it. That's going to take you into this event that we're having August 2nd through the 4th. And you need to sign up as fast as your fingers can type on the keypad. (laughs) I am making a promise to you today that you are going to get a life change if you need it. And so that's my battle call. That's my battle cry today on the radio. I'm spending all my time talking about it. 
because I am so passionate about it. I've seen it happen to lives over and over and over. And you know what? You know why I care? The question was just asked to me recently. It's like, why do you do this? Like, why didn't you just get your freedom and then move on? It's because in that moment, God placed a seed in me that has grown and that has just infiltrated my entire life of seeing the injustice of oppression that people think they're supposed to live with. And it steals them and it robs them. And then generationally, oh, my gosh, it goes on and on and on. Okay, so enough about that. I got to go to break. So it's your it's your lucky day. It's time for break. (laughs) I'll stop. But this is so exciting. All right. When we come back from break, I'm going to pose a little question to you to think about that comes from the book that I was talking about last week. Eternity is now in session by John Ortberg. So let's run to break. We'll be right back. Would you like to know more about Amy and sold out ministries? You're invited to visit amymillslive.com to find out about events, read the latest blog, view photos and videos of the show and download all shows as podcasts to take with you each week. If Amy's freedom message resonates with you, then enroll now in Redemption Academy, a three-semester online academy where you learn how to gain maximum freedom and live your destiny. Go to amymillslive.com. Welcome back. This is Amy on the Amy Mills Live Show, and I I want to pose this really interesting um, concept to you. I am... um, reading the book Eternity is Now in Session by John Ortberg. And what I'm taking, uh, what I'm talking to you about in this next segment before break is um, his book. And I'm reading something straight from it. And he he's talking about the fact, and he's, he's, he's bringing the Bible into it 100%, 100% about what the Bible actually says about eternity and when eternity starts. Like what he, he's talking about the fact, and, and you should go back and listen to the show from last week. Um, and it's titled Bringing Up There Down Here. So it's like bringing heaven down here to earth, having eternity now. And he talks about the fact the Bible does not say anything about the fact that, you know, you, eternity starts when you die. And in fact, it, it leans more towards l- eternity starts as you accept and begin to live in the kingdom of God out in your life right at salvation. And so that's what we talked about. It's I, I really recommend that show. Go back and listen to that because this is this is really great stuff. But but here's something that stumped me, a place that he goes in the next few chapters we so often in our lives, we go back as we're as we're just, you know, we're walking out our journey, right? We're trying to just um, get it all figured out. And we're trying to make the most of our Christian, our Christian life. And many times in our freedom, especially for me and what I do with my ministry, we are constantly having to go back and see where there were open doors in our life and where the enemy got a foothold and what doors do we need to close and what do we need to turn from and, and, and you know, walk away from and get set free from. And so we're always going back and we're looking. But what we don't do ever really is go back and stop at salvation. And what he's doing is he is bringing an idea about that says based on how we view salvation and how that's been presented to us and what we believe from the world and from religion versus what the Bible really says about salvation. 
could very possibly be some of your roadblock and some of your hang up and some of the fact that you don't have the fruit in your life that you expected. So let me just dig in here and find a place to start. He's giving an example of a guy that was uh, a story. He gives a story about this kid that goes down to the front of the church and everybody's praying. And all of a sudden it becomes this expectation, you know, to have a salvation experience on that day at that time, at that moment. And all the people he was standing with at the front, every single one of them, one by one, they go and they get saved and he just wasn't feeling it. And so out of guilt, he goes and he does what everybody else is doing and different religions have a different process about, you know, how you receive Christ and the questions that they ask you. But he says many people who seek God or hunger for the spiritual uh, may find themselves like this young man frustrated with with what they heard about how to be saved Um you know, it's uh, so some traditions, you know, they're told they have to pray a particular salvation prayer um, and it should put their soul concerns to rest. But they're troubled when they say the prayer and all of a sudden their soul troubles are not over. He quotes somebody in his book that says, I searched that Bible through and through and couldn't find anything about a magic prayer I could lead people to say in order to instantly get them into the kingdom and have them be forever more secure in their eternal salvation, no matter what their life looks like afterwards. So now we're starting to think about salvation and what the Bible has to say. He's talking about proper, okay, and I'm quote unquote, proper ways to be saved, right? Maybe the, you say the prayer and you're not feeling that dramatic interchange that you ex, you expected. They're Now they're wondering, um, did I do it right? So they say the prayer again <laughs> the next night. They still don't feel what they think they're supposed to feel. And so this process goes on and the question becomes, am I in or am I out? And he's talking about the fact that some people walk through salvation to simply do the minimum requirements to get them into heaven and get their sins forgiven so they can go on living the way they want to live. And maybe you're not doing that outright. Maybe it's a little more stealth for you. But somewhere, potentially, that's how you receive salvation. You know you have your ticket into paradise. You know that you can go and ask for forgiveness. He says the problem is not that people are saying the prayer incorrectly. The problem is that their definition of salvation is too small. Wow. Wow. He talks about the problem is that people are defining salvation as having their entrance application to heaven accepted rather than receiving life from Jesus from one moment to the next as they have been saved. Does that make sense? He says it's it, it's certainly and wonderfully true that many people find that their life with God starts through responding right to an altar call. A lot of us did that or praying the sinner's prayer, right? A forgiveness or crying out for mercy. And God's capacity to save us is not dependent on our ability to, uh, my gracious, correctly define salvation or correctly go through the process of whatever denomination we're familiar with. He talks about the message of Jesus and his earlier, his early followers um, 
that it was not just even forgiveness of sins that allows us to escape hell. He calls it the bad place and the good place, probably as a spinoff of the, 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 the TV show. But he says it's about newness of life. To be sure, this new life includes forgiveness. But guys, it includes so much more because you know, this is the re- primary reason that the word salvation, the synonym for salvation is life. In John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Whoever has the son has life. First John 5, 12. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. In the New Testament, the term salvation and eternal life and kingdom of God, all three of those, salvation, eternal life, and kingdom of God, all speak to the same life-altering reality that we grasp by becoming disciples of Jesus. So good. To inherit eternal life, he says, Jesus equates to the rich man, enter the kingdom of God. The disciples now respond as we go into break. Well, who then can be saved? Let's go to break. And when we come back, I'm going to finish that question. And I want to go uh, right into a couple of different ways that you may be pondering your salvation. You could be the next success story at Focused on You Chiropractic. Patient Bruce came in with lower back and shoulder pain and neuropathy in both feet. In less than three months, his neuropathy was nearly gone and no pain. Patient Jean came in using a cane necessary for walking. And on day five, Jean showed up with no cane. Dr. Ben and Dr. Gerard make scientific specific adjustments with results. They educate patients on nutrition, exercise, and neurotoxicity, helping alleviate unnecessary pain and suffering. Click focusedonyouchiropractic.com. Well, welcome back as we go here into our final segment um, for um, this part of the show. I am in the book, Eternity is Now in Session by John Ortberg, and he is proposing the question to us. How did you come to view salvation and your salvation experience? And could that be the twisting point of why your life does not have the fruit and fulfillment that you think it should? He talks about, he's, he's going back to a lot of scripture in this chapter, and he's, he's trying to pull it back to the fact the Bible does not talk a lot about a lot of this man-made stuff that we've come up with that we call salva- receiving salvation. Not so much that there's anything wrong with the different processes, but what it can possibly cause in our life is, okay, I said the sinner's prayer. I got the ticket into heaven. I now know, you know, I'm saved from sin, my sin, and now I can go on with my life. Never entering into the the real deal of salvation, which is after that's done, the, the, the good stuff hasn't even come yet is what he's saying. He's saying that receiving salvation is not just a ticket. That it is the entry gate into this life of fullness and richness where the kingdom of God begins now. Now. Eternity is now in session, he sang. Is this making sense? If you need the backstory, go to the, um, go to the show from last week that's titled Bringing Up There Down Here, Bringing Heaven to Earth. So he's talking about a scripture that we know about the young rich man who asked Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He asked. Okay, so Jesus equates this with entering the kingdom of God. 
and he uses that phrase a lot here. So the disciples then say, well, who can be saved? When the rich man asked Jesus how to do that, Jesus does not say, guys, he does not say, pray this prayer and then go on your way. He didn't say, believe in the right things about me, and then you'll get into heaven when you die. What he says is this. He tells the man to dethrone money and enthrone Jesus, not to earn forgiveness, but to live in the reality of the kingdom. Come on, let that sink in. I'm letting that sink in for sink in for a moment. He's saying, enter into the reality of the kingdom of God. It is here right now for the taking. It's not about the prayer. It is not about a process. Salvation isn't about getting you into heaven is what he's trying to say. It's about getting heaven into us. It's not about relocation. It's about transformation. Come on, John Ortberg. Yes, it's about allowing Jesus's kingdom life to permeate our little lives one moment, one choice at a time. Can 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 everyone understand that this is why your life has potentially become lackadaisical and boring and tired and, and not what you thought it would be? Because, I mean, think about this perception versus the perception that you've come to know in your walk, right? This is a mindset a reality. It's not just a mindset. It's a reality. If we can turn and get ourselves in that place, so good. And then he goes on to talk about um, salvation, you know, how how we go about that. Next chapter, he's going to dig into it a little bit further. He's not done with this whole salvation thing. He's saying that the question usually is, have I done enough to push myself over the boundary line from hell into heaven? And a lot of people want to make sure that that is secured and even have great questions about that. And then they end it there once they have done the minimum requirement. So now he's going to talk about minimum requirements. And he's saying, can you imagine Jesus himself saying, "Okay, believe, um, believing that all I teach is true. This is he's saying, imagine this craziness. What if Jesus said, "Okay, believing that I all I teach is true. Well, that's optional. Believing that I can run your life and allowing me to do so. Okay, that's optional. Intending to actually obey me. That's optional. As long as you believe that my death paid for your sins, you don't need to, you don't need to worry about doing what I say as far as heaven is concerned. That's craziness. Imagine Jesus tra- t- um, um, tacking a sal. He's saying a salvation caveat is what he's trying to say, but he's saying, uh, imagine Jesus, um, Tacking a salvation caveat onto the Sermon on the Mount. So he's everyone who hears the voice of mine puts this into practice like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. But just to be clear, you don't have to worry about actually doing anything I say as long as you believe my death pays for your sin. I mean, he's trying to paint the picture here of how crazy it is that we would Go through the salvation experience and not enter into the best part of the whole deal and then wonder why our salvation has not created the freedom and the beauty and the release and the promises and the list goes on and on. And now we're disillusioned and this thing called Christianity does not work for me. And we go on and on down the rabbit trail. And now the enemy is dancing. He quotes George MacDonald and he says, um, 
the reason Jesus called for us to obey him is not so that we can earn our way into heaven. He says to obey Jesus is to ascend to the pinnacle of my being. Wow. Let let me say that one more time. To obey Jesus is to ascend to the pinnacle of my being. So what he's saying here is obedience rightly understood is what a saved life looks like from the inside. And if we don't get this part right, he says it doesn't matter what the outside looks like or where the outside is is um, taking up real estate. It does not matter. Union with Christ is not an idea to be understood, he says, but a new reality to be lived through faith. So he's trying to create this ginormous vision of life after salvation and possibly trying to get us on track, right, that we're trusting the arrangement of salvation so much to such a high degree that we're not trusting Jesus himself. George McDonald, in this same quote he's quoting, he says, and we're going to have to close real soon, but I'm going to finish with this. He says, Paul glories in the cross, but he does not trust in the cross. He trusts in the living Christ. Wow. So it's only as we seek to do what Jesus says, to be generous and forgiving and radically truthful, that we discover the kingdom he talks about is real and can be trusted. So he brings that aspect of obedience back into it and says, out of walking out the obedience is where the reality of the kingdom of God starts to take hold of our lives. I mean, that is enough for me to stew on all week. (laughs) I love that. It's so powerful. So I want you to think about these things. Go back and think about why you how and why you receive salvation and, and how was that presented to you? And make sure that it's not just a ticket, but it's a gateway to a life of fullness. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much. We got to run, but I will be back next week. This is Amy on the Amy Mills Live Show.